going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of It's Your World Podcast with your host, Jordan Brown, Dane Allen, Uptown Jordan Brown, Big Buckets Brown. <laughs> so funny. But uh, yeah, thanks for checking out last week's episode. It was actually, I did something different. There were two episodes. Uh, the first episode was DJF, photographer, um, local CPS teacher as well, and uh, Dante Austin. Um, fitness like extraordinaire I mean he's doing some different things and um but yeah after going through that DJF episode I actually recorded both of those in the same day so they were uh recorded and released in the same order so when I um really just had time to sit down with DJF I was really happy that you know he was open to doing that and recording an episode with me. Not only that, but also being able to um, talk about the things that he's doing as far as teaching people and everything like that. He was um, giving us a um, inside scoop for real. I mean, you really don't, you, you don't hear a lot from CPS teachers. Um, they, they're busy, I guess, <laughs> you know, and for him to be open and willing to sit down and talk about the things that he's doing with the kids as far as helping them and exposing them to photography, like, I really appreciate that, dog. Um, it's feel like it's your place to work, you know. And it was one of the things that really, you know, grav- gravitated me toward you and really wanted to get an episode done. So I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And if you're into photography, check out his Instagram at babebro11 um, and his Twitter as well. Like, you can reach out to him that way. And let him know you heard him on an episode and you want, you're looking for a photographer or something like that anything um but yeah uh the second episode that i released last week was from dante austin dante actually reached out to me on instagram and said that he wanted to do an episode and it was one of the first people to ever do that so he reached out to me and was just like um yeah i want to get on an episode i lost this much weight and everything you know uh about a hundred and something pounds he said or and i was just like man you know you um actually more than that yeah, over the course of two or three years. But I just really was like, all right, man, as long as you're serious. Because you, somebody reached out to you like, well, I mean, I just started this out. You know, you'd be weary a little bit. So I just, uh, I was just happy to um, let him, uh, just happy to let him get on the episode and really tell a story. That's one of those things where you work out and you change your life when you get some bad news, you know, in he was telling me, you know, how he was really um, sick. You know, it was like, you might he, you might die if you continue to do this. And he just was like, man, you know what? I got to change my life. And he did it. And then to be brave and come on to do a show, this is going to be released out into the world. You know, you're exposing yourself to a lot of different people and their opinions and everything like that. But, you know, I was just happy to have a sit down with him and really just talk about that. So if you haven't heard it, go check it out on Tay Austin's episode of It's Your World and go from there. But, um... I wanted to start this week off with everybody's talking about Kanye. Like, you tripping, bro. Like, I love you, big homie. I love you, big homie. I love you, big bro. Like, I'm always going to ride for you, you know. But you tripping. <laughs> I get it. But one thing that was going through my mind is that Kanye is being Kanye. And I also saw some stuff on, like, Twitter and everything, how people were talking about it and his reaction and their reactions to it and the idea 
that, you know, Kanye is doing a performance piece. So if you think like Andy Kaufman, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, when he was doing the rapper thing, I saw something that talked about that. And I thought, man, like maybe this is what he's doing. Maybe this is his thing. Like he's putting something together that's pretty crazy. And not to mention like T.I. signed up to do that song with him. I was like, yeah, Tip is a weird person. I freaked you weird, but I think that might work. You know, he signed on to it. So maybe, maybe we don't have the full big picture yet but what I'm telling you right now is I was like damn dog can't believe you said that and to see Van you know talk to him the way that he did I think that did a lot for us you don't really see I don't they don't they don't think they fought or anything like that I don't think that it came to blows or nothing Van just told him what he felt told him why he was wrong and he did it in public we saw Kanye get told off in public. And they looked like they had a peaceful discussion after that. That's a lot. Y'all know why it's a lot. I mean, well, I do, you know. And I really felt like um, he that statement hurt a lot of people. Um, that statement changed the way people see him, and I'm pretty sure Kanye don't really care about that. How people you know, like, and that was that was the thing for me is like maybe we watching Kanye just be a regular person and we just watching him, <laughs> like saying stuff like that. People would probably say shit like that in the barbershop, not even the barbershop. Maybe this locker room talk like Donald Trump was saying. I don't know. Could be the same thing. Hmm. Maybe we watching Kanye just live a regular life and we just happen to be staring at him because he's talking about this thing about being free and doing and, and feeling better than he's ever. You know, a lot of people are saying like the mental illness stuff and everything and like that's got a stigma and everything. I just don't want to just write it off as that. I hope that he's in good health. I really do mentally. I hope that this is a performance piece and it's just like, oh, this was just something to go in conjunction with my album. You know, most people say a publicity stunt. It's a lot of different opinions out there, but everybody's talking about it. And I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but I know how everybody knows, like, I'm a Kanye stand. And I mean, the funny thing is, like, nobody hit me up, like, man, what's up with your boy? Like, <laughs> I didn't get one of those. So, um, yeah, like like I said, maybe it's a piece. It's a performance piece. It's just it's Andy Kaufman. It's uh, it, it, it's it's Jim Carrey doing Andy Kaufman. You know, and, and that was that's my take on it, guys. Wasn't happy with it. Didn't think it was the right thing to say. Um, don't think it's right at all. Uh, or it could have been said differently. That's what that's an, you know. But that was one thing I was just like, damn, dog, I can't believe you said that. But again, like I said, maybe we're just watching Kanye be a regular person, and we're paying attention to his life. Or maybe it's a big joke. Who knows? Or maybe it is a performance piece. Or maybe it is just publicity before the album comes out. All I know is you got to be paid to do some shit like that. Because <laughs> if you said this, if you said what Kanye said at a regular job, <laughs> ain't no way. Ain't no way. HR would be on your ass like right on rice. Ain't no way. Like, like you gotta be paid. You gotta have. Like, you have to be an artist to say some shit. Like, you gotta be a big artist to say shit like that. Because if you did that, your 401k is go. Like, you done, son. You done. Like, ain't no coming back from that. 
like, like they would have your shit packed up, security ready to take you down the elevator, bro. Like you can't get away with that, you know. So that's it, and that's what I hope. Um, I hope it's something that you do it as a joke. Like you gotta have that. I took some balls to say that shit. I really did, and um, I just feel like uh, I want to. First, just say like like I said, um, I don't know. It just took me back, you know, and I think it took a lot of people back, but it but at the same time people just dislike Kanye anyway. And I'm probably one of the very um the few and the proud of Kanye like stands, original stands, you know. Um just really uh Really happy that, um, not happy that he said it. I'm just happy that Van did what he did and people got to talk. And people got to talk. So, um, yeah, man. Get ready for this next episode. Let me know what you guys think. Thanks. Subscribe and review. Bible consists of having like the characters, their backgrounds, mm. you know, uh, you know, concept art. Just basically a book that details what your idea or show is going to be about. Right. So I've been focusing on that for a while. I want to say at least two years, but hadn't really gotten anywhere with it. Like I did some pitches and you know got some good feedback, but nothing like you know no big breaks from it. Right. So really passionate about the idea. And just, I don't know, having that unction, you know, when you really, when you really love something, it almost becomes like a purpose. It is. Part of you. You can't let it go. <laughs> so that's kind of what happened with this idea. So, I, you know, just thinking about many different ways of how I wanted to get it out, as opposed to just going to traditional Hollywood, you know, I get a deal, I get a, mm-hmm. a break. I ended up just being like, well, let's just write a novel. And then see what happens. Yeah. That's <laughs> And I'm saying with uh, Michael Smith, you want to go junior or the second? So, All of you as cubs. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, little Michael. Not uh, that little Michael. But you little can't, Michael. I mean, that's, that's going to be with me forever, you know. <laughs> but uh, that's one of the things, too, when I do is just like, get you talking, then we just start. Like, you don't even know that. Dad wants to sit in on this. So All right. Like, yeah, you come so in. Like, oh, well, my uncle's going to come in here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, co-creator of the Dip and Doom Ferocious Food Group, comic. Yep. What do you call it, man? Uh, right now, this is going to be a novel, uh, a series of novels. Okay. And this is the first installment. So the, 
the title of the series would be the Ferocious Food Group. Mm-hmm. Installment one is Dip and Do. Okay. So no. So I said that wrong. Thank you for the correction. <laughs> I appreciate that. See, that's when you, when you're an artist, you got to correct people. Let them know, hey, dog, this is how you say it. This is what it is. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, yeah, just decided to make it into a novel, and then it took about six months, I want to say, to write. Wow. You know. Well, we'll say six months to get the whole story for the first novel fleshed out. Mm. And then it took about a month of revisions going back over it. Like how you were just saying with your uh, comedy, same thing with the manuscript for a novel. I just kept reading it over and over, you know, how certain sentences flow together. How it's things, you know, being answered. What would a a person who doesn't know anything about this ask as they're reading this? You know, just trying to think of all those questions as you plot out your story. Mm. And... It was it was good. It was it's fun because you get to be another character without being on stage mm-hmm. as a writer. You know. Now I didn't know it was a stage where you write though. Like, right. Explain that aspect. <laughs> because <laughs> because you, you know, especially when a novel like this novel was told through the perspective of the main character, so it's first person perspective. Mm. And when you're reading a novel in first person, you're pretty much in that character's head the whole journey. So you see what they see, you feel right. what they feel. And in writing that, you get to be a whole other person. Right. So that stage of writing where, you know, you get to say all the things you really want to say, mm-hmm. you know. Because you're writing for someone else, essentially. Right, right. And even though, you know, people, your writing will mirror you as a person in some aspects, you know, it still can live on its own mm-hmm. as a separate character. True. So... Writing for me is just, it's really a, a natural type of thing, you know. I would say I'm more lazy in that I would need to sit down more and do it more, okay. you know. But as far as, like, can you write me a story or can you come up with a story? No, that's not hard. You know, it's just, man, I'd rather be watching Netflix right now. <laughs> 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 or reading this book that's good or something, you know. But, uh, yeah, just this is the first one, you know. Mm-hmm. I plan to have... The second installment done or released by the end of the summer. You know, I kind of want to have a little fun, you know, with, with work and everything going on. You know, as it gets closer to summer, you kind of want to chill Relax. out. But um, I'm going to be releasing something. I'm trying to release something on my birthday. Okay. And then, you know, like I said, the second installment will be in, I want to say, about August. So when you put in all this stuff, you got life, you got, you're working with your co-author and everything, you know, what was that process like working with someone else in that creative space? Because you can have your own ideas and then someone else is throwing theirs in. How did that work? I wish, like I said, I wish he was here so we could talk about that aspect right, right. of, of uh-huh. just dealing with the personalities and, you know, filling out exactly what you want to put on paper. Well, you know, it's funny because whenever you're collabing with somebody, you always, I think everybody has that thought of like, how we're going to handle this when we have disagreements or, mm-hmm. you know, you always have that's, that. the good stuff right here. Right, you know, like, how are we going to handle this? And I can honestly say for me and Jay, it's, we've been really like on the same page kind of the whole okay. journey. And if we have been di- disagree, have any disagreements, it's been minor or just something that where either one of us could like see the point so clearly where you're like, okay, we can change it up. So I got, I would say, I got really blessed with him as a partner and co-creator because it's more about, uh, it's not so much about ego, it's about just trying to make the best product, mm. you know, and having fun. That's the thing, too. Right. Once you're you having, stop fun, having with fun with the story, you know, 
just like, what if we do this or what if we do that? Or, you know, if we come up with an idea, but it might not fit in the story of seeing how we can work it in later down the line. So for me, and I feel like, I guess, it's come after having worked with so many quote-unquote boo-boos, you know, people in the past <laughs> that talk a good game. And I'm sure you probably had that, you right. know, where people were like, yeah, I'm down to work with you, I'm down to do this. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes time, you know, nothing. you just putting in the work trying to get with them actually than doing the work you need to do. Right. So with him, it's been more like same page, you know, like click, you know. We, uh... We shared, uh, Microsoft has a OneDrive where you can share, you know, work, and we're on there together, and we could just see the the uh, manuscript mm -hmm. at the same time, so whenever and I would see log the in, and everything. he would see it, you know, so when I'm, and our schedules were like opposite, so, you know, <clears throat> I work during the day, he works at night, mm -hmm. that's probably why he still sleep now, right. <laughs> but, um, while, you know, while I would get off, I would be working on it, then he would work on it, you right. know, kind of alternate. Or some days he would be like, I'm kind of having a little writer's block, you know, you go in. And I would kind of read and then just start adding little things here and there. And it's funny because one of the stressful parts, I would say, for me was... Dealing with the writer's block and you figured everything out. Yeah, and I would say the hardest part that stressed me a little bit was knowing when to stop. As and what do you mean by that? I would be done with the story, but then I would go back and read and be like, ah, I had another line, or oh, I'll change this up, or get into that perfectionist mode of being like, just really being methodical, going over each paragraph, how does it sound, it you know, <laughs> imagining how anybody who's going to read it, how would it sound to them, mm -hmm. and I would say the last two or so weeks leading up to the release, that's all I was doing, like, that's annoying. Man. <laughs> yeah. But like that's the thing that I think um, I was accused of being a perfectionist at some point. And when I started doing more stand up, that made me realize more and more like it's never going to be the same every time you do it. Right. Now, like, like say talking to my barber, get my haircut this morning, talking about Kevin Hart. How does he know what to say every time he's on stage and everything? I'm like, well, maybe he got an earpiece where somebody's telling him what to say or he's got it recorded already. But then I thought about it. It's like, dude, he doing this 70 times. 70 times a year. Right. You're not going to forget that. <laughs> you're not going to forget it. But when you figure you're, you're trying to be that perfectionist, you're like, when did it hit you? Like, all right, it's done. Don't touch it anymore. That's it. <laughs> I would say, I would say the last to second time I had written it out and I had asked Jay to read it. And he had read it and he was like, this, this is it. This is the one. You know, this is Stop. really good. <laughs> and I had read through it. And I wanted to change some stuff, but then I would read it again, and I'd be like, no, that sounds fine. And then once the final time I read it, like, completely all the way through without stopping, mm -hmm. I liked it so much, I was like, okay, this is it. You know, it's, it's finished. I just have to trust the work for itself. And I think part of it was just me being nervous. You know, this is really? the first time I'm going to put okay. my work out there. And, you know, you tell people, oh, yeah, I'm right. I'm a writer and all that stuff. And, you, you know, people, okay, you know. Right, right. <laughs> and then they actually see, like, no, I actually seriously do this. And, you know, surprise a lot of people, but in a good way, you know. How did you get to the point where it's like, I'm going to do this? Like, not, not talking about starting. I'm talking about what got you into the idea of this is what I want to do. What, what got you? Like, like you said, you went to Columbia. You did all that. 
when did you know, like, this is, what's the journey? Like, this is what I want to do. I can go to school for this. You can go to school for a lot of shit. That don't mean you go do it. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> As a lot of people do. Right. I would say, well, for me, back in high school, I originally wanted to be an actor. Okay. That's kind of where the journey started. Like, always grew up big movie buff. Mm, that's definitely, my dad, right. That you was, know? That was all us as kids. And, uh, <laughs> but the funny thing was, you know, like, I didn't have the type of dad that was, like, necessarily making me you know, mm-hmm. watch the... Well, I mean, he made us in a sense, like, let's hang out and watch these movies, but it wasn't like, this is your training because one this day you're going to be do when you grow up. Right. It was just more or less, this is what we did let's as a enjoy family. This true. And, uh, you know, being like him, I naturally just like movies. And it got to the point where I was like, man, I want to be in, like, plays and movies and stuff. And I remember that was pretty much all I was kind of focusing on, especially right. when I got to high school. Because I wanted to do, like, drama club and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I remember my mother was like, man, you should uh, you should think about doing, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, too. True. And I remember at the time, <laughs> I can still remember being like, yeah, that, that's cool, you know. I but, want, did you want the attention? Or what, what but, was you it? know, but I'm thinking, you know, now that I'm older, you know, thinking back on that, with a young mind, I was mainly, yeah, I still would, even now, I would still want to act, but now it would be more from an artistic Mm-hmm. and fun standpoint as opposed to a, the younger me who wanted to do it for the same reasons but also for fame right. and all the typical girls all that stuff you know but now it would be mostly just because I want to show a good performance or you know just make a good movie when did that shift happen like do you just did it just click one day like maybe it's not important that I'm in front and center of everything or you know when it I would say it came around mid college like once I got acclimated to that environment and just getting used to, man, when, you know, when movies start being really broken down in school and just seeing this whole other side to it, I think that's what kind of clicked. Especially, mm-hmm. like, with some of the classes we had, like, we had a, a pre-production and development class. And a really good instructor, I remember, she was young, uh, but she really just kind of broke down how characters were mm-hmm. And, you know, the little nuances they should have, you know, just little things to really bring them to life. So when people, you know, encounter your characters, they can feel like these are actual people. Right. And, man, just watching so many movies, I guess it just clicked. I would say, I would say around the time I had my first screenwriting class. Okay. And when my teacher was uh, pretty impressed with, and I had I never even finished that script. I remember that, but... <laughs> It was just a story you can based on go me. Back. And, yeah, right. <laughs> and it was just a story based around me and my friends at the time. And I remember he liked it just from the way I had wrote it. And I remember him telling me that, man, he's like, you have a natural talent for, uh, mm. you know, writing. And not really recognizing that. And from there, it kind of just slowly kind of went from there. So I would just write here and there, but nothing really serious. Right. And then I would say a good couple of years after college, just one day at home. The ferocious food group idea just came to me. And it kind of came to me, I remember, kind of like a situation I was going through with this particular girl. And I was just thinking, like, man, everybody's greedy. You know? <laughs> we <laughs> all are. Right. It's, you know, a, like, human, you know, it's a human instinct. You know? you know, like, everybody's greedy. And, you know, as much as you try to be. You can't satiate anybody sometimes. Right. You know, and we've all had those moments where you've been more greedy than another person. And so that kind of birthed that idea with the smorgs and them 
never being satisfied from eating. Mm -hmm. You know, that's their main affliction. It kind of ties to us as humans never being satisfied. You know, you could have a good wife, uh, a good car, money, but, you know, everybody's always still chasing more. Mm -hmm. You know, you're never really satisfied with what you got. And that's pretty much how that story came along. I just tied it to food because that was relatable. Right. You know. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> what, are you, what, what kind of influences or nuances are you bringing from reality and putting it into the art that you just put out? And I, I might be wrong for saying this, but it's people been telling you you're good at something for a while, dude. Like, what does the nervousness come from when you put this together? Is it just because this is going to be into the world that people are going to be experiencing this art Everywhere, if if the success occurs that way, or when it occurs that way, everybody's going to have an opinion on what you put. Is that what it is that? Well, that and the fact that we just live in a culture where everybody's quick to boast. Mm. You know, where everybody's quick to claim genius or some type of greatness without going through any of those trials. Right. You know, everybody just wants to be great without the work, or just wants to be seen as this gifted person without you know without going through those trials you know everybody's not going to like your work everybody didn't like Michael Jackson he's like the biggest star the world's ever known right. but like you know everybody's not going to like your work and I never want to be that type of person no matter how many times somebody tells you you're good or you're smart or whatever you never want to get to your head and then True. Because I feel like the moment you start really kind of believing it, you get sloppy, and then you don't you start, care as you much. Start making mistakes and <laughs> you don't start caring as much. When you kind of, I won't say self-doubt, but when you don't don't take it, take everybody's word to the point where now you're like, yeah, I am that. You know, mm -hmm. it just kind of leaves you in this space where you always can see self-improvement and see room to grow and be like, I'm not quite there yet. I need to right. keep going. You know? But how does doesn't that tie into the same idea you just said about never being satisfied? You know what I'm saying? Like it's crazy yeah. how all these different things are connected and we never really think about it until we actually put something out there. And it's like if 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 this book is what you want it to be, where's the idea come for for the next thing? You know, and the growth. Well, <laughs> you think that far, right? and nobody really thinks that. And I think that's the best part about being a creative. It's like you don't know what's going on. And that's the best part, too, in the sense that that's where you draw a lot of stories from. Like, I came up with an idea the other day, and I kind of jotted it down on my phone. You know, it can just come from anything. It could be just a small little detail, or somebody could just say one, one little witty saying, and then all of a sudden, you know, man, that could be a story. That mm. whole idea, you know, what you just said could be a story right there. And for me, I say everything's a story. Especially, you know, you don't think about it like you said. When you're going throughout your daily life, even now, you know, you hear everybody's little stories, little narratives here and there, you know. It could be from what your friends were doing last night that you missed out right. on or just your girlfriend's day. That's her personal story, you right. know. <laughs> 
there's a lot of that. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You, you, I think what we need to also realize as humans, when we talk about different people's stories, is that we're all influenced and affected by so many different things. Like you said, you got the idea for your book from a situation you were in, in life. Right. And then you took it and you put it into papers. Like I got it to my girl the other day and I'm like, what happened today? <laughs> because I don't know if I did something wrong or like you're talking about that narrative and everything like the the age old question of how did we get here mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, but not, not, not only that but taking the time to really try to figure that out in a relationship with somebody true, you, know, true. you know that that idea is something that I think that a lot of people don't take in consideration it's more so just reacting to whatever right. the situation is but right. that might be a tangent but we just talking <laughs> <laughs> um what is what's what's your goals with this, man? I mean, are you just trying something out here? Because it seems like your interests are a lot of different places. It could be just coming up with a book or a novel or writing a screenplay or something like that. You know, um, is this just the first step in something? Yeah, I mean, I would like to see this. One, I want to see it continue as a novel, as a series. Mm-hmm. Then two, I would eventually, you know, hopefully if it, you know, gained enough notoriety, to where it could be like either animated series, possibly a movie, really an animated series. I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind it being that, you know. But if it was a movie, you know, that's even better, right? <laughs> but yeah, just right now, just trying to build its audience. I would say, you know, just trying to get people to read it. You know, it's aimed more young adult, but it's for young at heart. You know, I draw a lot of inspirations from the cartoons and things I watched growing right. up. Like, you know, it's not direct copies, but you can see a little bit of like. Transformers or Ninja okay. Turtles, something like that. Just with the structure of like the good guys versus the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And just trying to tie in little things of like, you know, ultimately we're all the same, you know, we need to work together, you True. know. Satisfaction really comes through that, you know, how you always say with your homies, you know, if I blow up, they gotta blow, blow up, up too. you know. Because Nobody, as much as you think you want to be on top, you really want it where well, everybody's good. With somebody. Where everybody's good. <laughs> you know, that way nobody's stressed nobody's right. left out. And that's pretty much the theme with this book. Just trying to reintroduce a little bit of old school themes in a new fun way to kids, you mm-hmm. know. And people are like, you know, where they don't have to go into this worrying so much like, I'm a boy or a girl or, you know, the characters are made in a way where anybody can fit into them, right. you know. It's just, now it's tied to personality. Are you like this particular character mm. or this other character? And it goes along to explore, like, the human condition through an alien lens. Right. You know? that, I mean, that was going to be <laughs> something else, too, but the influences, you know, what what what, what are you into right now? What's, what pushed the idea for this? Other than the situation, like you said, it was a personal experience, and, you know, the uh, what are those cartoons that got you? Or what, you, what were you into while you were putting it together? What music and different things like that? Man, um, I'm kind of, to be honest, like, all over the place. Like, I will jump from, like, listening to what's current now mm-hmm. to going back and listening to like what my dad and them listen to, <laughs> you know. So it kind of just bounces around. But I would say during this process, it was a mix of like some instrumentals from like uh, I would say some good old video game classics like I love. So this video game music? That's some crazy. Of that, some of that. Some Kendrick. Like I'm saying like all yeah. over. Like it would go from like it could be a Kendrick track to then it'll jump to like Sonic 2. Hey. Then it'll go to you know maybe Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. Just kind of all over the place. And the reason is because people are complex. 
you know, That's deep. you know, you can't really put, <laughs> like I was saying earlier, like even with you being an athlete, mm-hmm. you know, now doing comedy, you know, you can't just say a person is that one thing. That's a part of them. That's yeah. true, but I think that we, like, we talk about the influence of society and everything, and I even got an episode, I say this a lot, on the, actually, I listen to the podcast, and I'm doing it, I'm like, you said it a lot, but it's a drive home to point. Being a Division One athlete was probably the most visible, invisible thing I ever did. And it's like, wow, you say that, you got all the love and everything, it's like, yeah, but on campus, I'm a football player, that's it. And if you don't know me, that's all you know me as. Or if you're in front of a student, I mean, a teacher, a professor, guess what? You're just a dumb jock to them sometimes. Unless they take the time to sit down and talk to you and meet you, you know, different stuff like that. But, um, yeah, you're right, man. And are you putting that in some of the characters that you came up with, the book, that idea? And it sounds like it's a lot of identity that's coming Mm -hmm. out of these characters and stuff like that. What what, what drove you to that? Was it just the social climate that we're in today? Just people find yourself somewhere, if that helps. Yeah. Yeah, and then just having distinct voices mm. so that people can um, have a character to latch on to. You know, you, everybody, <clears throat> everybody's the same, but the, everybody doesn't think the same. Right. Or, you know, have the same kind of thought process. And I want to show, like, each character is talented and unique, but in different ways, you know. I would say, like, in real life, you know, who are some of the smartest people you would say right off the bat? You would say, like, you know, an engineer or a mm-hmm. scientist. I would say those two, but I could say a comic is smart, you true. know. You know. <laughs> true. Very true. You know, you could say, you know, just your average teacher is smart. Mm-hmm. It's just in different ways, you know, what they're applying that intelligence to, to. you know. And that's what I wanted to show in here with these characters. You know, each character is smart and talented in their own way. It's just you don't have to pick one particular way and say this is how I have to be in order right. to be recognized a certain right. way. Right. So just giving everybody a voice but still showing that just because this might be the goofy character, mm. he's still valuable. Because he brings something to the table. Right. That's know, recognized by the group. You know, even though this might be the resident brainiac he still might need help from this other character. Right. You know, and that's how it is in real life. You know, everybody needs help. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs each other. And that's kind of like, I keep going back to it, but that's kind of like the theme of this book. Because going to your point with the social climate, everybody spends so much time talking about how different we are and how things are unfair mm-hmm. that you never really spend too much time talking about how we... Are good. We appreciate it. So <laughs> the positivity and things. I mean, this this is an idea that I'm pushing to is for us to question what culture is and everything like that. You know, right. um, being a African-American male, uh, you know, and then going into that realm of comic books and everything, like, it, it wasn't cool all the time. <laughs> right, 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 right. And now we see, like, the success of, I know you would light up now, the Black Panther and everything like that. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, what, what are those things being to you, you know, right now? You know, I, I would hope, oh, you say you started doing this six months ago, eight months ago, putting this idea together for the book, you know, did that influence you at all? They say, like, maybe it's not a matter of representation. Maybe it's a matter of just me doing this as a black writer and True. coming yeah. over that idea. I would definitely say so. Like, well, one, man, Black Panther just really showed something that I would say 
a lot of black people are always new. Mm, somebody just had to say it out loud. You know, in the sense that <laughs> if you get if you give us good quality, we will show up and support True. you. And you know, even I knew it was gonna be big. I didn't know it would be this it's big. big. You know, yeah. but it goes to show you that this is something that we've always been wanting. Something that if we just handle the space to get in, we, we have the number. And I would say, it's a, as Drake would say, it's a good time to be alive. <laughs> because you see people like Ryan Coogler, you know, he's young. He's only like 31, 32. Mm. But you just directed this movie now. I think that surpassed Titanic. Mm. And now this opens so many more doors for uh, black people in general. Like uh, I heard over at DC, they got uh, Ava DuVernay. Mm-hmm. And you know... Now black people with this hot ticket, you know, <laughs> which, you know, kind of throughout the years we've always kind of been, but. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I'm working on something else now, talking about the spectrum. It's the nigga spectrum. It's, it's, it's you're a <laughs> nigga or you're a blur, but you fit somewhere in that spectrum. Right. And all these different people are successful. And like you just said too earlier, everybody is valuable. Everybody brings something to the table. There's no one way to just be black, you know? Right. Like, there's no one way to express yourself. And that I think way. that's the thing we're breaking out of too, where, you know, you don't. You don't have to have certain traits in order to be black, but apart we, from the physical one of being black. <laughs> and that's the idea, too, is that, like you just said, too, it's something that we knew already. Like, of course we knew that, but somehow we find it within our own community to uh, differentiate or even ostracize people. But now that it's cooler, that I was like, okay, yeah, I've seen people going to go see a comic book movies that never seen a comic book movie before just because it had that representation in there. I've even seen some hard dudes now. They, they're there at those things, and they will come out and say, well, I'm a nerd or something. Right now. And you're like, man, you know. Growing up, you would, you know, these types were never admitted to right, this. Right, you know? right, 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 right. That's true. But, but, you know, now that the climate is changing to where it's okay to like this stuff. It's mm-hmm. okay to have an opinion, you know. So, I think that's what I would want to foster more so in my work is just a more bringing people together, more being comfortable in the sense of that despite our color we can like the same things Mm -hmm. and whatever it is that we're liking don't have to be like tied you know to you (laughs) you know it's just a trip you know how things play out these days you know i mean i've 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 found myself thinking like when people just have people have an explanation for why you just said that's a trip it was like was it really a trip like dog my nigga you was reading comic books we knew you were doing that like you just didn't want nobody to know that you were doing that we knew that you were into this type of stuff you know where did you find the comfortability to come to that place like this is what i like this is what i want to do this is what i want to produce and you felt like I'm okay with doing that and being me. <laughs> I would say in college. Because like, <laughs> that was the first place meeting more black people like me. Mm. You know, in the sense of like, yeah, we black, but we're not finna sit here and talk about, you know, guns and drugs. All and the time. Guns, you know? <laughs> or just anything you think we, you know, getting ready to talk about. Yeah, you, we talk about sports or whatever, but mm. yeah, did you... <laughs> Did you read this book? Did you play this video game? Did you see this movie? You know, did you go to the museum? You know, (laughs) did you do any of this other stuff? You know, and not having to be like, man, you trying to be white, or you you trying to who you think you are now? You know, (laughs) it's like this is who I always been. You know, I'm not trying to be a particular way. I'm just this is who I am. You know, man, I need to text Jay, but. He can even attest to that. Like he was even, he would even tell me like with certain music, he would like 
you know, and people are like, man, you trying to be white? And mm-hmm. it's like, no, man, I like being black. Right. Right. I just like, like this, this song. Stuff. Right. <laughs> and it's, I'm okay with that. And I think it just, I guess that's the hardest part about being black. Not actually being black, but expected to be black. Mm. You know? <laughs> I, I can't even take the time to, like, break that down. Like, what is the expectation of it? You know? Right. Like, what? what, what? Because um, you're always meeting some other person's version of it. True. You know? True. <laughs> you know, true. so it's like, you could be with the hood type. They expecting you a certain way. You could be with the intellectual type of black. They expecting you to be a certain way. It's just... It's always some sort of expectation of who you, how you're supposed to come off as a black person. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say like just a quick tangent. It's a, a educator at my job. You know, he always makes it a point to say <laughs> that he's not the angry black person, and I know why he does that. You know, because he's he's trying to make himself he's trying to differentiate himself from that stereotype. Mm-hmm. Of, you know, every time a black man gets upset, you know, dangers, you know, just around the corner. So, you know, even the way he handles himself with the kids when he is mad, it's always this point of trying to show, like, see, I can do this without being angry. (laughs) But everybody gets upset. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody gets mad, you know. So why should we be pigeonholed (laughs) because you're black? Well, because you're black and you're tall or big. Oh, so... Now we now it's a threat. True, right? And, and, but that's that's kind of where we are right now in society, where it's like the angry black dude is the the person that you should be afraid of. That's what the media is trying to tell us, or that's what people are saying. You know, you hear the chirps and everything. Even like I did, I actually went to an all black open mic last week, and one of the best experiences ever on the low end, like Forty Seventh Street. And I did a joke that I think is kind of risque, but we respond to it. The idea, like I was saying. I watch Netflix, and uh, Luke Cage and Netflix is like the best Black Lives Matter supporter. It's like, it's like <laughs> right. really? They're like, really? Why you say that? It's like, y'all supposed to say why, and they start laughing and say why. I'm like, that's the only place you see a black dude get shot on TV and people cheer about it. Like, they be, <laughs> people enjoy it, you know what I'm saying? But like, you see it on CNN, but don't nobody say shit. Like, nobody right. say so, that. So another, if anything, they're spending time telling you how he should have got shot. <laughs> that's crazy, right? <laughs> right. But you cheer for this dude, you well, know? Well, he ended up being shot because... Right. Like, come on, man. Like, you know, you think about that stuff and you're breaking down these ideas and everything like that. Um, did that seem more welcoming, putting together something creatively right now? or Because I think that's part of it, too. Like you said, the expectation of being black and the expectation of what you're supposed to say or how you're supposed to feel. It's like, no, we all feel differently about different things. You know, was that what helped you be more comfortable with um, putting this together? Yeah. I would say, um, for me, I want black kids to see that they can be writers. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be really good at writing. You know, you can be, you can write books. You can be creative. And I wrote this story in the sense that I wanted it to be <clears throat> where, even even like with aliens and things like that, mm-hmm. you know, you can watch a, a movie with an alien and depending on, you know, the inflection of their voice, you could be like, okay, this is the white dude. <laughs> or this is the black dude. You know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> even though they're aliens, they're supposed to be from a whole other world, you already know, like, okay, this is the black character, this is the white character, or this might be the Asian But guy. is that messed up or is that cool, though? Like, <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing that, why you gotta it's be a, saying jive like and funky? For me, it's like a weird <laughs> sense of being relatable because... You're telling me as this 
as an audience member, I'm supposed to suspend my belief this is a, this is an alien. But this alien is tied too much to how our world works, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of what I wanted to shy away with these characters. Like, when they talk, they might be funny and all that, but you can't. They don't have a voice that's Asian mm-hmm. or they don't have a voice that's black. You know, they just have a voice. You might say they're smart or they're witty or they're mm-hmm. this or that, but you can't really say that. Man, I mean, you can't read and come back later and be like, Mike, why you put a hood character yeah, right, in there? Right. <laughs> why you put this ratchet character in there? <laughs> why did you put this, you know, this character don't even sound like you. It's, I just tried to make the voices to where they didn't, they didn't give off, you know, any type of cultural thing. And not that, you know, anybody's cultural culture is bad. Mm. It's just that when you put that in there, that tends to be the dominant conversation mm. as opposed to what you're really trying to say. Right. You know, people will stress out like, this is supposed to be this character. You know, this character is supposed to be this. I mean, look at like with the superhero, going back to the superhero movies, like, you know, uh, having black a black girl be Spider-Man's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. You know, that character was originally white. Yeah, Mary Jane. And having her black in this movie, you know, people will be like, man, you know, they'll they'll fixate on that, you know. Man, she was originally white, and you know, but you're just taken away from the fact that this is his love interest. She likes him, you know. It's so stupid when you think about it. It's right. like the idea is it's ridiculous. It, it is even back to Luke Cage again. I saw one that came out. People was like, "Oh, it's too many black people on the show." I'm like, "Wait, so you mad that Luke Cage's universe of Harlem isn't as gentrified as the real Harlem? That we, like, that's what you upset about? That's your only complaint." Taken away from the fact that you read this comic book as a kid growing up, when you talk about Spider Man, or you you love this character on TV and you watch the cartoons, it's like you can't let that go. Just enjoy the art, like. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, especially growing up, like you said, growing up on that stuff. Even at the time, you know, especially when you just don't have that in you, racism, you're not really thinking of Spider-Man <laughs> as a white guy, you know, the whole it's time. It's just a character. You're just like, like this guy. He's, got, he's a superhero. <clears throat> and it just sucks when it comes to you. Now he's a black superhero. You know? <laughs> Almost like, we could get Superman, so we got this black guy instead. Mm-hmm. You know? like, <laughs> And you're like, well, okay, we can... We'll work with them. But I mean, there are, there are some characters that no, I feel like I wouldn't want to see. Like, I don't want to see a black James Bond, but if they can pull neither. it off. <laughs> right. Me neither. I wouldn't really want to see that because, I mean, you wouldn't want to see a white black panther. You? <laughs> <laughs> or just a white shaft. I'll just take it to some that old kids. be weird. You know, or like we rebooting Superfly, but with Justin Bieber. And you'd be like, I'm not watching that. You know? <laughs> so. I just wanted to stay away from those conversations when it came to my work, you know, where you don't have to spend all this time fighting over cultural aspects. Mm-hmm. You know, if if I if there's anything I want you to fight over is just the story itself. Right. Like what's going to happen, what this character is, stuff like that, right. you know. But not, you know, getting political because I feel like everything yeah, is decided see, right now, political. Because that's, that's, that's the thing that I tell people when I talk. I just did an episode last week. It's like, I'm not trying to get too political, but how does that influence everything that you're doing right now? And it sounds like yours is like, hey man, uh, I don't want to talk about that stuff. I want you to enjoy this aspect of my art and creativity. Right. And then too, which you know, I'm preparing myself for too, is once 
readers get the feel for it and people really start to get into it, you know, you, you're going to have those different um, interpretations. Mm. And it'll be interesting to see what people draw from because, you know, you always have people that'll tell you, like, this is what the author meant when he wrote this or this right. is what. So it'll be interesting to see what what they get right and what is like, no, I didn't intend that. <laughs> <laughs> but even then, though, like, just sitting down with people, and that's a cool thing. That's one of the things I'm enjoying the most about doing this podcast is sitting down asking people, what did you mean when you did this? Or what did you mean when you did that? And then I sat down with one artist, and she was like, oh, that was just something I threw together. I was like, so I'm sitting here analyzing everything about this portrait that you painted, <laughs> and you just did this on a whim. Like, <laughs> And that's the funny thing about it, because... On some hands, like for me, I would say in mine, there is meaning there. You can derive like some meaning there. But I wouldn't say it's like so deep to the point where anybody wouldn't be able to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not made in that aspect where it's like, oh man, you got to read it so many times. You know, you're <laughs> to pick it up. <laughs> you know, nothing like that. I mean, it's going to have its, it's simple but complex, that mm-hmm. type of thing where, you know, something real easy and relatable but once you read it you would be like wow you know I can kind of see how this will play out or, right. you know I derive all this this meaning from this aspect of it um no I would say this was very thought out <laughs> <laughs> I had to you know especially when you're writing a book you know you definitely have to sit there and plot it out mm-hmm. you know and think about what it is you want to say because going back to stressful you have to maintain that the character's voice throughout the novel. Right. So you can't, you know. And it's funny how it comes about because after a while you kind of know instinctively <laughs> what the character would and wouldn't say. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what sounds like them, you know what doesn't. And it's funny, especially since this isn't a real person, you just kind of, after writing it for so long, you're like, no, this is something like a character I have named Reese. I'm like, no, this is something Reese would say. This sounds more goofy mm-hmm. than something he would say or this is kind of serious but funny. This is something Mac would say. So, just uh, having that unique perspective, you know, given to each you know character within the story. When you're talking about the creativity aspect of everything, like, what is some of the things that you learned while you put this together? It's like, what did you learn about yourself? Because when I write, I'm writing different things, and I'm like looking down, like. Bro, why do you think that's funny? <laughs> it's just, and, and that's because I am challenging myself to write about stuff like, you know, my history of family, you know, death and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, people are like, well, why do you think that that's funny? Like, it's just, no, it's, I think it's something that I need to talk about to help others talk about. Like I say, one bit, I like to put it in perspective, one bit I wrote is how we don't like to talk about death and everything like that. It's ugly, it's gross and everything. It's like, it's kind of like that ugly person that you had sex with, but you don't want nobody. <laughs> to know. That's how gross it is. I was at a low point. Right. <laughs> but to see how you laugh at that, that that's what that's how we treat it. And you know, like what was some of the stuff that you put in on paper put on paper and it's just well, like you know what? We are in the same family. So yeah, I would say it because I dedicated uh I dedicated this first novel to my grandmother. So mm. you know a lot of this when it came out I would say uh, when the idea came about, it was during a period of where a lot of tragic things were happening, especially for me on both sides of the family, you know. On mother's side, you know, my aunt passed away, and then, you know, grandmother, then grandfather, then on dad's side, you know, 
cousin Khalil, mm-hmm. your dad, all these unexpected things. So I would definitely honestly say it was a way to cope, mm-hmm. you know, building this whole universe <clears throat> where you can kind of escape some of what, you know, what's happening in your world. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's kind of like the beauty of being a writer. It's like, man, you know, and we've all said, you know, you're like, man, this, this sucks. <laughs> and, you know, it's just a way of being like, what can I create? What can I say? How can I let out what I'm feeling in a positive way without being destructive? Because, mm-hmm. you know, what with everything that's happened to, you know, our family, it's easy to go off on a tangent and be like, you know, <laughs> I give up, right. <laughs> you know, right. whatever. Right. But just having that that strength to be like, well, I can't give up, I can't stop, I got to keep going, but I have to like work my way through it. Mm-hmm. I would definitely say that's how it came about, and it's pretty much why I dedicated it to my grandmother because she was like that last person from those group that passed that was like a real big significance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, writing the book became like this way of a. Uh, Catharsis or yeah. cathartic in a way. Yeah. And just being in your own way to say goodbye. Mm. You know. And That's then real. showing them that you, you know, you continuing on. Right. You know. That's real, man. You know. <laughs> and I kind of think about that, too, just getting on stage and, like you said, it's, it's, it's an escape. But at the same time, you're opening yourself up to right. all this judgment and everything like that. <laughs> And even like putting the book out there is like you talk about the perspective and interpretation (laughs) and how people are going to take what you have to say and everything like that. I never, it never dawned on me until I started to get along by myself and write this stuff out and actually go on stage and perform and and try to convey this message while reflecting on something that was so awful. You know, right? I just, I never, I never took that in consideration starting this. Uh, And even with the show, is that. You are basically going to become a part of somebody's life when you put something out there. You're making a memory for someone. You might say a bit that somebody always remembers or something happens to somebody. Like, oh, that's like that thing that that comic said. You know, like, how does that feel for you just being a creative and putting something out there? It's a little, it's a little scary. Like you said, you know, just the human aspect of not wanting to be judged too harshly. Mm-hmm. But I would say, too... There's a certain boldness to it, you know, because so many people talk, so many people prop themselves up, but it's only those few that actually put it to action, you know? And, you know, writing a book or trying to stand on stage, you know, for the average everyday person, those are no easy feats. So to do it, you know, I won't say invite some sort of... uh, people feel in some type of way. It, I guess it depends, because like we were saying earlier, you know, people, uh, you really know who messes with you and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, even seeing this with this book, you know, who's really, you know, people like, oh man, I'll buy your book. You know, just tell me when it drops. Right. <laughs> you know, versus who's actually like, your book's out and they actually get it and actually want to see, man, you actually wrote this? You know, right. yeah, I did, you know. Um, as it continues... Um, I just want to be able to get more comfortable with my voice as a writer, mm. you know, 
because I definitely want to tell, you know, a variety of stories. This is just like my my main one, you know, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like I say, dude, I, I never, I knew you were into the acting and everything like that. When I saw that, I was like, man, like, that's deep to even, like you said, that is bold to even try to put something like that out. And like, like I, I just didn't expect it. So you surprised me. It is. <laughs> so now you know your cousin was impressed. Okay, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but um, usually, uh, before I try to wrap up each episode and everything, I I try to ask each person what are three things you would tell a creative starting out or even thinking about starting. First, I want you to mention the. Um, program that you guys used to write it because I didn't catch that earlier and oh. that's, a, that's a part of the show hey you want to start doing something you want to be creative you can use this tool you know to it was Microsoft Word oh that's it oh <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft Word, Word yeah. uh, and uh, if you have a writing prop, uh, partner you want to use uh, OneDrive Microsoft OneDrive cool you know? that way you can be able to share your uh, writing with them right um, I would say I'll just take it back to to school when I was in school, our professors would tell us, write what you know. Mm. And I would say that, but add it on. Write what you know, but try to know more so that you get better at writing. Really? You know? Okay. That's why I spend a lot of time reading. I spend a lot of time nerding out on stuff. Oh, well, what are you reading and nerding out on right now? <laughs> well, right now, uh, <laughs> like I just read uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's book, uh, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Right. And I'm, right now I've been reading through the Dexter series, the actual books. Wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, what else? Cryptography. I read on, a book on cryptography. Mm. Just reading different stuff, you know, just so that whenever you go to write different stories, you can, you know, you can tell different perspectives. Take different influences. You know, and then know what you're talking about, you mm -hmm. know. That's pretty much how you become a good writer, you know. Just just think about your conversations you have with people. You know, sometimes you might even impress yourself. Like, man, I didn't realize I knew as much as I did as right. this particular subject. And just taking that and then figuring out how can I make this into like a fictional version of mm -hmm. this, you know? Yeah, climate change is bad, but how can I make this into a fun story? And for me, that's pretty much how I feel people accept facts. Mm -hmm. You know, I could tell you a fact, but you might not really care of it if you don't really have a belief tied to right. it but if I can put something that I believe in in a story and get you to feel the same emotions as this character you're more inclined then to believe that mm -hmm. fact it just has to be a tie, tied to an emotion and that's really what stories are it's just information with emotions attached to it mm -hmm. you know that's how people accept it that's how they learn you True. know as long they, as it resonates with them then they can digest that information I mean, think about, like, your, your parents. Your parents tell you stories. That's how you learn. Mm -hmm. You know, school pretty much drills things into you. But you really learn from, like, stories. You know, you think your grandparents tell you a story. Your parents tell you a story. And you take those stories, and then you kind of, like, ruminate over them. And you, like, you figure out your place in your family. Then you figure out who you are mm -hmm. and how you're going to react, you know. So that's pretty much what I do with novels now, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to take life and break it down into these little narratives. Right. You know? That's real. <laughs> and, you know, um, even Number though two. I want to do, I want to do uh, screenplays, you know, and um, 
still act, you know, still do other stuff, you know, just right now it's about the novels. Mm-hmm. Number two, what's the second thing you... The second thing what? You'd uh, tell a young creator oh, right oh. now. <laughs> um, never give up. Like, see, I know that's, I know that's cliche. And it's not cliche, cliche because you can have a bad day and not do anything again. Right. <laughs> I just heard a story about Deion Cole starting out, and he's on, like, Blackish and everything. Mm-hmm. And he said he was at an open mic, and the guy was like, man, you know what? If you bomb, you can't come back here again. <laughs> so he bombed and just didn't come back for, like, a month, just showed up. And he was like, why you stop coming? He said, you said if I bombed that I couldn't come. Like, no, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> right, right. But you, you, you really can't give up. I mean, I would say, like, with anything. Mm. The odds are always against you. I mean, you go out to get a job, you know, it's likely you might not. You know? <laughs> That's true. So I would say, you know, you really can't give up, especially if you if you know yourself. If you're comfortable with yourself as a person, you know you have this strong desire for whatever it is. You know, you, you just can't give it up. And how you know you shouldn't, because it's always nagging at you. Mm. You know, for me... I would be hanging out all the time with my friends. I would say before I started seriously sitting down and <clears throat> fleshing out my ideas, just always going out, hanging out, trying to get your mind off things. And But you're never satisfied. Mm-hmm. But always in the back of my mind is like this little voice, you should be writing. You know you want to do this. <laughs> you know, man, you, you don't, you're not really happy. You probably should be writing. And it wasn't until sitting down doing that that I actually started to feel better. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's funny how just doing that as opposed to going out, kicking it, and you know, doing all this stuff to take your mind off of it, it was fun, but it was temporary. Mm-hmm. It was like the voice of purpose was really calling me, like to just, why don't you sit down and write this book? I would even say for me, it's the thought of legacy. Like a lot of people talk about that. Some people think it's, oh, it's just in your family, it's just your kids, or you know, all that stuff. It's like, no, I think your legacy is one, the way people feel around you. Mm-hmm. Two, it's what you leave behind when you're gone. Because we all got to exit stage left at some point in time. Right. And the idea is that you can leave a book behind. Or you can leave an hour special that you did that somebody's going to have forever. It's going to be here. You're going to be long gone. And some, it's going to be a part of somebody's life. Well, yeah, I could definitely relate to that. Because one of the goals has always been uh, being named after my father. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to see he didn't have the same opportunities I had. So I always wanted to see our name like on a book or up in right. or something. So right. that's like an accomplishment for me to be like not only see my name, but my dad can see that work and see his name up there too. Right. For what it would be like if he would have had his father like I have him. Mm. So that's a goal, you know, that I feel good about. And going back to the second question of just not giving up, just Things can get hard, but you 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 can you can't give up on being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's part of not giving up too, because I feel like when you give up, when you truly give up, you stop being who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, when you truly, I mean, think about people that <clears throat> you feel like have given up on themselves. You always tell them, "What's the first thing? You're not even yourself no more. Who you used to be?" Right. You know? right. So the moment you give up, you just you just cease to be the person everybody knew you as. Mm-hmm. You know, and you definitely don't want to, you don't want to live with regret, you know. Even if this book never blows up, I would be more regretful if I never finished it. But you did it. And that's the thing, too. Like, you talked about never giving up and all that stuff. For some reason, in my mind, it's never been 
it's people might perceive you as being always optimistic and everything like that. It's like eh, I might not be always optimistic. I just know the negative shit is gonna happen. So you know, <laughs> well, well, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> going on about it is not gonna change it. Right. You know. <laughs> right, right. Right. That's true. I mean, all it does, it just feels good to complain. That's. I mean, it just. <laughs> That's the only thing complaint really does. It just it just feels good to do it. You know? I never thought about that. Like, it just feels like, good. Man, I feel great complaining about this. Oh god, this is awesome. Like, right. Yeah, but when you complain, you don't have that same emotion though. Like, right, it's the right. same thing. You aggravated, but in a way, that's why you good voice about it. Just, just say it. Just just get it out. What's the third thing you give a young creative like advice? Be careful of the voices you allow. Mm. And what do you mean by that? The people you talk to or associate with, you know. <clears throat> um, and even be mindful of your own voice, you know. Yes, we all talented, but you're not a... Uh, you don't have all the answers, despite mm-hmm. how good you are, you know. You definitely need somebody else's perspective. You got to be able to know yourself, but know when somebody's being critical in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And when they're being it in a destructive way, too. Because there's good criticism, you know, people can, they won't tear you down, but they can actually build you up. You know, we've all had that, yeah, where they know how to say it, versus something that just... <laughs> and, like, that's something that I'm learning, like, starting doing comedy, learning who I am as a person. It's like, when people say stuff to me, and just be like, blah, 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 I've been do that so much, mm-hmm. it automatically translates to be positive to me. <laughs> Like, if you ain't never had a coach in your face just cussing you out or just yelling at you, you don't know how to take that. And then some people think, like, oh, you should respond differently. It's like, no, when people did that to me in the past, I went and I produced after that something positive or that reinforced that positive feedback. So it just drove you to do better. Right. And that's, yeah. to me, that's scary because everybody can't do that. That's true. And But that shows you just cut from a different cloth because... You know, you hear about how people take dip, deal with tragedy or pain mm-hmm. or anything. Just the way you handle it shows who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And going back to your point of, like, who did I find out who I was, you know, doing this? Just, man, finding out that I'm really getting right. <laughs> and that I'm good at it. And right. not saying it from a you know, cocky way, but just <clears> being, <throat> like, being an avid, avid reader growing up. You know, you read all these stories and you, you know, learn all this, these words. You always think, man, I wouldn't be able to write something this good right. one day. Or, you know, man, how they put this together? And then being that person now where somebody else can read it and be like, man, you put this together. Right. That's, that's pretty cool. But the, the funny <laughs> thing, too, is being a creative. Is like when you say stay true to yourself and everything, like take in that advice or take in the feedback. Because sometimes you can throw something together. You be like, like I said, just, well, I just wrote that trying. And I'm like, I love that you wrote this. <laughs> you like, you like that? I didn't even think it was that big of a deal, you know. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, so I have a few things left. And I need you to pay attention because it's all right. So what I do is call a Kanye confidence level okay. because I'm a Kanye <laughs> stan. I'm really weird about him. I don't know why. I just think he's cool. And what I do is I ask each guest to rate themselves on what they're doing or what they put out right now. And it goes from the Kanye uh, <laughs> college dropout to life of Pablo. <laughs> and what you got to do is rate your confidence right now with what you got going on for each album. That's hard, man, because... It's not a bad question. It's a good question. It's just... 
I love Kanye now, but I was really huge on when he first came out. Okay. So, I would say, I would compare this to be like my college dropout. Uh, you know? Like, all right, all right. I love college dropout, you know? Right, right. I would kind of compare it to that. So, a nice, good introductory into who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh man, you can write, this is pretty good, you know, where he's going to go from there. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to put Dip and Doom with the college, college dropout. Yeah. And the last three cuz I'm asking everybody stole this one, Arian Foster. I always got a site where I got my stuff from. Arian asks every guest to ask Jim Carrey to come on the show. I'm asking every guest to ask if Kanye West will come on the podcast. <laughs> now this might turn into something we have on stage somewhere and then everybody awesome. can come and have me know. So <laughs> that's why I ask. Everybody say, Hey, Mr. West, would you please Give I don't know I don't know how much time it'll be yeah just just show up dog that's all <laughs> like if you just show up and I just say hi and you say hi that'll be the whole episode Mr <laughs> Mr West Mr Kanye West you have Michael Smith here <laughs> <laughs> who is also a fan of yours if you could come on my cousin's show it's, it's your, your world, world podcast all right. yes it's your world podcast five ten minutes you know that would be great we would love your presence man. Plug your book too, so he can pick that up. And <laughs> for, you, for North and, and all of them, they might, you know. And if you happen to be by a computer, you, know, <laughs> you can type in Dip and Doom on Amazon. It's only three bucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's currently an ebook right now. Um, putting money together to do, you know, paperbacks and all that. Mm-hmm. But right now, currently, an ebook on Amazon. For $3, and it's free if you have Kindle Unlimited. See, Nori won't even run up the bill again. Right, right, right. <laughs> but, sir, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. This was fun. You got to dap me up on, on, while it's being recorded. Right, so, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's all love. I appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Check out the uh, book, uh, Dippin' Doom and the Ferocious Food Group. And you can find it on Amazon. I'm actually looking at it right now. Uh, you can get it um, from Kindle. So it's like $2.99 on Amazon. Get it on your Kindle. Check it out. And, and like I said, he'll have some physical copies out soon. And, uh, yeah, man, just look, look him up on, uh, what is it? What, what is all those things called? Facebook, Instagram, you know, Michael Smith Jr. Um, he's... he's uh, He's on his way, man, and I was just happy to be a part of uh, lunch, and I think it's been out for a couple of weeks now, maybe a month or so, so uh, when when uh, it blows up, then we can um, just, we can just uh, have him come back, and we can talk the success, and we can talk, you know, how he feels about it, uh, how he felt after releasing it in, in, in the plus form. So hopefully um, you guys are able to check it out. Make sure you follow me on Twitter and Instagram at it's Jordan Bruh. At it's I T S J O R D A I N. The I means I'm black. Bruh B R U H underscore. And just uh, let me know what you think about the episodes. Check out some other ones if you want. Check out the two from last week, and I might have another bonus episode for y'all. You never know. Make sure you subscribe and review. If you listen on iTunes, make sure you leave us a review there, people. If you listen on SoundCloud, make sure you comment. If ask questions, man, see if you can find the book. Hit me up if you want to be on the show or something like that. I don't know. Just talk to your boy. Uh, let me know what that is. Why am I doing that? But, um, yeah, have a good one. Have a good one. And 
if you are in town May 21st, I will be performing at Riddles Comedy Club, 7 p.m. Come check your boy out. Let me know um, if you want to figure out the address or anything like that. I can get that information to you. Just hit me up. All right, guys. Uh, and don't forget, it's your world. I'm out.